Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Charles here. Who knew? Who Barbara, knew? Barbara Walters was getting it. Um, she was getting and getting it from someone very famous. Uh, look, it's been said that Barbara Walters enjoyed the company of men of color. <laughs> Say that she did. Um, or as Joy Behar put it today on the Sherry Shepard show, um, she loved the brothers <laughs> and. One in particular, this is mind-blowing, but Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor and Ooh, Barbara Walters. What a um, So Sherry told this hilarious story uh, about not only Barbara and Richard, but a couple other guys uh, in <laughs> Barbara's sights, this we'll say. Fantastic. I told Joy that I had run into Paul Mooney, and Paul Mooney has said that he caught Barbara Walters with Richard Pryor. Oh. Caught Barbara Walters with Richard, and I was what do you like, mean? "She slept with Richard." Yes, Pryor? that's what Paul Mooney said. Between you and me, Barbara. <laughs> Barbara liked a brother. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she did. She was going out with a, a black senator. Is this going to be on television? <laughs> no, she did. You don't have his picture. But no, it's, we don't. No, it's, it's in her book. It's so, in her book, yeah. Audition. She was going out with a black senator. Because right. you all always used to say Barbara loved the chocolate man. She she used to love Colin. Uh, Colin uh, Colin Powell was her girl. Loved Colin Powell. Every time Colin Powell came on, Barbara was all the way over here. Well, uh, <laughs> so uh, Sherry said she actually asked Barbara about this. She was scared, but asked her about it. Yeah. Because at the time, this was when Sherry was first on The View. Right. Said she was very nervous being around Barbara. And so um, it doesn't sound like Joy outed Sherry as the source. Um, <laughs> but Barbara did say, that Barbara walked in and, and Joy said, hey, here, you're sleeping with a <laughs> Richard with Pryor. With Richard Pryor. Um, by the way, the senator they're referring to is Senator Brooke. Yes. I believe Ed, from Edward. Ed, Ed Brooke. Yeah. From Massachusetts, I believe. Edward Brooke. I know. He's. I believe me. I same thing, Harvey. I know. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> I thought the same thing when I saw his photo. I was like, "Wait a second. I thought. But no, he actually was just very light skinned I got you. Um, <laughs> again, I, she had a type. Can I just um, tell you? I I loved Barbara Walters during her lifetime. I even love her more now. I mean, it's such a great that's, story. That's the the question I have about this. That I can't answer. Between Barbara Walters and Richard Pryor, who does this make seem cooler? Yeah. Like, Barbara Walters hooking up with Richard Pryor is the yeah. coolest thing in the world. Richard yeah. Pryor hooking up with Barbara Walters is also the coolest they're thing both in the world. Real, they're both so cool. Uh -huh. It really, it's just, but I never would have thought this. Never in a million years. Okay, when I was a kid watching the, those Barbara Walters specials, I was not thinking that. Did she ever, <laughs> but, did she? Yes. She interviewed him. Yes, 1980, I believe, at least once. She interviewed him, that's Maybe right. Once. So which one of them do you think initiated it? Oh, what a good question. Oh, that's a great question. Who, who proposed it first? Because it seems weird either way, but we can't ask Paul like, Mooney. Hey, he's no she, longer with no. <laughs> She flirted with him and he got the memo. That's my feeling. <laughs> Well, because uh, the only reason I'm saying that is if they first met in an interview setting like right. this, usually the person being interviewed, especially when that's all in their mind, they're not necessarily making a move. But if she connected to him, 
she might have done something right. where the he's thinking there's an open. The interviewee will eventually make the and move, but only makes moment, it because if, the door's been that's opened. That's how it Henry. happened. At what point does Richard Pryor go? I think Barbara Walters is hitting on me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see where this goes. I mean, what an awesome story! I can't believe this was under wraps for so many years. But she left this chapter out of her memoir. This, I don't know why. Because this is a great story. I mean, well, at the time, maybe she left it out at the time because well, we knew about Senator Brooke, right? And but she had and she admitted that was an affair that happened back in the seventies. But Richard, I'm trying to think when her book came out, and Richard would have passed already. He would he would have already been gone. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, anyway, thank you for the <laughs> thank memory. <you> Sherry. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Sherry. Hey, I'm Trey from Atlanta, Georgia. This story is pretty funny because Robert has interviewed so many people, so. We never know what went on or what happened. But the, the thing we keep scooting over, the senator that she was with, she wasn't with him. She had an affair with him. He was married. Right. And I think Barbara was married as well. So she just was with a black man. She had fun with him on the, behind closed doors. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We are going to move on. This, yes. I, I, another of- shocking story. I, I, this like, was really shocking. So we knew that Jada Pinkett Smith's book was coming out. Right. Um, and figured there would be some bombshells in there. This is not one of them I was expecting. Um, but she talked about it with Hoda Kotb uh, on the Today Show and admitted that um, her relationship with Will Smith it's is not, not what, what it we, seemed. Not at all what we've thought. And for a long time, we're talking like seven years, it has been much different from what we all thought. Here is the truth. In 2016, you and Will decided that you were going to live completely separate lives. It was not a divorce on paper, but it was a divorce. divorce. Why did the relationship fracture? Oh, why it fractured, that's a lot of things. And I think by the time we got to 2016, we were just exhausted with trying. I think we were both kind of still stuck in our fantasy of what we thought the other person should be. I made a promise that there will never be a reason for us to get a divorce. We will work through whatever. And I just haven't been able to break that promise. Mm. But you still live separately. We live separately. Yet they live separately. Yet let's go back to the Oscars. Let's just go back to the Oscars. Keep my wife's name out of your mouth. If ever was a moment that you thought that they were solidly together, because yeah. there have been sort of, there's been, you know, rumors for a long time, uh, whispers where people thought maybe they weren't together. But that night, you thought, oh, they are together. This man, he got up, embarrassed himself, assaulted someone on the biggest stage possible in Hollywood. He, they, are, they are tighter than ever. Yeah, and to, to your guys' point, this revelation actually makes the Oscar slap all that much more embarrassing and humi- humiliating because he went up there and slapped Chris Rock to defend a woman he's not even romantically involved with anymore. So right. it, it's all very strange, and honestly, the, Jada Pinkett Smith speaks in rhymes and riddles. <laughs> she's not, she does, you know, she's saying, oh, we're not getting divorced because I'm gonna, I wanna fight, like, fight for what? For, the, uh, for appearances? Like, it's just so weird, and it just further confirms in my mind that the Smith family at large, I would say, they're just a bunch of weirdos. They're very strange. <laughs> and, 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 but I'll be honest, though, like this, people have suspected I this for years. I know. Just the, <laughs> think about this too. They have put on a charade and a masquerade publicly for a long time. Remember that that red table yeah. talk they had, where yeah. uh, the one it, I don't know if it was Will confronting her about her infidelity with about August the Alcina. entanglement. All right. of that was fake. 
all of that was fake. So who, who well, are we dealing with here? No, what are we dealing Fabian's with Fabian's right. Fabian's right. It's not really fake. It is though, fake. Right? It is fake. Will clearly felt it's some not, sort of way about it. But it's it. not infidelity if they're not together. But exactly. neither exactly. is forth we are not together. We're not even together, Jay. We've been together for years, so it's not even a big deal, you know? You're right. I mean, the red table talk is bizarre. Right. It just, I mean, that would have been the moment to actually be open about it. To say it. If you're going to... I put all the cards out on the table 100%. about your affair. 100%. That would have been the time to say, well, it wasn't really an affair. Right, because we're not together. And I, I don't know. It's, it's off-putting to know that, in a way, everybody was played for years. I mean, I remember videos, I think, during the pandemic uh, of them at the house together and... I still got to believe that Will actually was upset in that moment when they were talking about. Why, why though? Why? Just because he's, he's a good I, I actor. Know. He's a good but actor. Maybe, that's exactly what he does for a living. He's yeah. an actor. And I so mean, is she, by the way. I just want to say this really possible. hurts their reputation. It really does. More than it already has been, this damages their reputation, like, very much so. Like, you're a liar. Clearly you're with deceptive. You. Like, what is going on? No, I, I, I'm sure people, there are some people that feel the way Fabian oh, yeah. does. I'm just, I'm not even sure how to process it because I'm so stunned. And, and I need to, I, I want to think back because. We're talking not just the Oscars. We're talking seven years ago. Seven years. I, I guess if it turned out that Will really was fake crying that day and was fake upset, and now people, you know, came to his defense saying how she completely emasculated him right. on that during that red table talk. If he really was acting, that's Fabian's right. That does it, because that that, is what do you believe and what do you not believe? Right. That's 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 the, the problem. Hey, man, how y'all doing out there? It's uh, X-Man out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Yo, this is crazy. I'm tired <laughs> of the drama. We tired of people getting smacked for, for fake infidelities. What's going on? Like, is the Fresh Prince and his wife together or not? Like, look at him, man. He over there holding the door open for us. <laughs> like, it's just, yo, it's just too much going on. Yeah. It's like, is this real fake? There's some love and hip-hop. Fake is it for well? I would. I I, love and hip hop. I think is probably a little more real than, <laughs> than yeah. what we've been can, watching can, for seven years. Can I tell you, you the one person I want to hear from right now? Who? Who do you think? Chris Rock. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Someone get Chris Rock a microphone right now. Yes. I want him on a stage and I want to hear his reaction. Oh my God! Yes. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Um, we have to talk about something that honestly has. Uh, enraged both of us, and I and I know just from looking online, thousands and thousands of other people. Uh, it is a reaction to the terrorist attack by Hamas uh, that started on Saturday and which has now put Israel at war. This is what the Black Lives Matter Chicago chapter, and I want to emphasize that that is the Chicago chapter um, that posted this yesterday, and you saw it. Yesterday evening, called me because you couldn't believe what you were seeing. But it is uh, an image of a paraglider with the Palestinian flag flying off of his chute. And, I want to uh, and it says underneath it, I stand with Palestine. Now, the caption, I think, also bears because the caption to me is defiantly saying, I know, I know what you, your reaction is going to be to this. And the caption says, That is all. Yeah, this is BS. That is Th it. This is BS. So that paraglider. By the way, the paragliders are the ones who flew into Israel and they decapitated babies, shot and killed babies, raped women, killed women, took hostages, slaughtered families in their homes. These are disgusting, vile, 
terrorists. That's all they are. And that so picture, the, the reason we know about the paragliders is Hamas, they're the ones that released the video right. of the paragliders because they were so proud of the carnage. And Black Lives Matter in Chicago embraced the killing of Jews. They are Hitler, a, hold on, they are Hitler-esque. They are a Hitler-esque organization to do something like that, period. They, these are Nazis, essentially, trying to exterminate Jews, and they are embraced by Black Lives Matter in Chicago. It is disgusting. Yeah, the, 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 st the statement, I stand with Palestine, has nothing to do with those paragliders. Nothing. Nothing. The paragliders nothing. were terrorists, nothing. and they wanted the world to know the terror that they were unleashing. And so why? This is anti-Semitic. They want to exterminate Jews and the Black Lives Matter what movement is, in Chicago. What is stunning to me is that Ugh. the Black Lives Matter organization at, on the national level has not denounced this. They have said nothing. Because it is damaging. It is incredibly damaging. How do you what, not? Whatever credibility, and Black Lives Matter has had its issues over the last few years um, as far as credibility and people feeling like there were the allegations of, of embezzlement and all of that. So they've had their issues. This is a, a death knell to the Black Lives Matter movement if this is what they're going to well, espouse. The, the and organization. That, and that yeah. the organization, the national organization, isn't saying I'm, I do not understand That's why what, there's when, not when, when we were talking on the phone last night, that was the first thing we said is, right. what are they and doing? And I started searching online. Like, and they, weren't, and, and they didn't do anything. And up to this point that we're recording this, they're at, has been nothing. Can you imagine, I, I just want to give you a hypothetical. Can you imagine if the ADL, and they would never do this, but let's say the ADL came out with a poster of a political candidate and showed Tops Market in Buffalo where a racist shot and killed shot and black killed. people right. and they basically made it look like this is what they're supporting. Can you imagine, right. number one, what the reaction would be, and number two, the notion that the ADL would not come out and denounce it if a chapter of ADL did right. that? Right. It would be it outrageous. Is, and, and, and this is what we talked about last night. How, how have we gotten to this point? We're at, we're at that point. That this how, is, how have we gotten to this point that, and we talked about this last night, that in the 60s, oh. that... Two civil were, rights workers were Jewish right. in 1964 were Jewish who were killed in Mississippi. shoulder to shoulder yeah. with black people for the civil rights movement. Um, and now we're at this point where such brazen uh, and disgusting anti-Semitism can be expressed. You know, it's really, without, it, it's really interesting that you say anti-Semitism. You know, anti I know about, about anti-Semitism, that it exists and it's growing. This feels like it goes beyond anti-Semitism. It's extermination. It's it is genocide. It is what Hitler did. It is what Nazis did. And it's being embraced by Black Lives Matter in Chicago. And the national organization to this moment has said nothing. It is now, appalling. The Chicago chapter did have some response. Um, and I looked, there were thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of reactions to that post. This is their, what they said this morning. Yesterday, we sent out messages that we aren't proud of. I don't think that's a reference to the graphic, to the I Stand With Palestine. It's more about their engagement with people online. We stand with Palestine and the people who will do what they must to live free. They're, just, they're justifying the Hamas. Those rescuing babies from rubble who are in danger of being wiped out completely. 
We stand with Palestine and the people who will do what they must do to live free. That is justifying what Hamas did with this carnage. It is outrageous. And Harvey, the, the rest of the statement where they're talking about babies being rescued from the rubble, that is about Israel's response with bombing after right. the terrorist attack. So the, even the babies they're talking about there are not the babies you were right. referring to. Right, and yet they weren't, exactly, yet they're, they can't understand what the terrorists did to babies and mothers uh, when they attacked on Saturday and continued for days uh, to come. That organization it is, is Hitler-esque. It's, um, it is just sad. And, and if Black Lives Matter doesn't, as a national organization, say something about it, they are allowing, people will take it as they are, that they believe the same thing. And that's, I would certainly hope is not the case, but that's what it looks like when you say nothing. Hi, I'm Tokyo Japan. I'm calling from South Houston, Texas. Honestly, I think it's disgusting. If we celebrated the killing of Palestinian women and children, it would be immediately shut down as repulsive. But we do it to Jews in Israel because the far radical left loves extremism and all of a sudden it's justified because of the inner conflicts going on over there. Half of the damage wouldn't be going on if we didn't arm and fund Iran, which openly supports Hamas. We gave yep. Iran hundreds of millions of dollars. Billions, billions. Yeah, billions, yep. And we allow BlackRock to own both sides of the war, which people should look into, which yeah. is why it's a perpetual, never-ending war. And for them to come out with this half-assed apology. It's not an apology. Yeah, it's not an apology. It's, it's not even an apology. The people who will do what they must to live free. It's like, are we watching the same footage? Are we talking about the same subject? Sadly, we are. No, 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 now, Sa no. Sadly, we are. Th that organization likes what they saw. Don't make any mistake about it. They like the carnage, the beheading, the rape. They like it. And don't be mistaken otherwise. One of the more extraordinary stories we've heard about how people have responded, how people around the world have responded to what happened in Israel, the, the terrorist attack by Hamas on Saturday morning. People who have, have come from around the world have gone back to Israel to fight alongside the Israeli the, troops. The Israeli troops. People who have ties to the Israeli troops, have been in the military, and others who just want to do what they can. Our next guest, Noy Leib, was living in New York. And as soon as he saw what happened, got on the first flight available, I'm imagining, and went back to Israel. He uh, is a former member of the Israeli military and went back and joined his comrades uh, to fight for his country. And he is joining us right now. Uh, Noy, welcome to TMZ Live. Thank you. Noy, I'm, I'm so struck by your story. And I, I'm curious just how that works, that you um, are a civilian, you're in the United States, and yet you can just one day become part of the Israeli military again. Uh, is it that the, the Israeli military is saying, we will take all comers who have training, and you have because you were there when you were 18? How did that work? Yeah, so the IDF is a reservist army, meaning that once you finish your, comp your service, whether it's compulsory or voluntarily, um, at the age of 21, combat soldiers and other types of soldiers come back for reserve duty once a year. So since I was released in 2012, I've been coming back and training and doing all sorts of uh, military stuff since 2012, once or twice a year. So it's not that I'm totally out of training. Um, you know, we're not like we were back when we were 18. 
But we do this training every single year for these types of situations. So if one day I have to hop on a plane and get back to Israel, I'll, I will already have everything in my mind. I won't need that much of a refresh, just a smaller one. How did it work just logistically? Once you got, you landed in Israel, um, you just connect with uh, the, your commander that you go back when you go back for the reserves and you are deployed immediately? Right. So, um, you know, as a reservist, once you're called up, you go back to your unit, wherever you're based, you get your gear and, um, you know, you follow orders for whatever you have to do. Given what has happened over the last four or five days and the unspeakable brutality that you witnessed that drove you to, back to Israel, you know, everybody thinks that fighters are almost machines, but fighters have feelings. And there must be a measure of fear in all of this, I would think, um, given what you saw these terrorists do. And I'm wondering if you feel that or if you're just impervious to it. Look, we, we are machines. We are human beings. What you saw these terrorists do, burning babies, chopping their heads off, raping women visibly. You can see the blood and, 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 and then killing them, slaughtering grandmothers and put them on on facebook of course i'm scared of course other people are scared i'm not scared for for myself i'm scared for my parents and for my brothers and for the rest of israeli society we soldiers we do have to make a mental switch in our mind where we're going into a, a a war zone whether it's the north whether it's the gaza strip knowing that right now we're dealing with people who are much worse than isis but that's what we have to do so yes we are we are proud and we're ready to fight but we also have families at homes. Some have wives, some have children, and we want to be able to come back, and we will come back. When I heard about your story about the, how swiftly you went back to Israel, um, it reminded me, and I, I think you were here in the U.S. when 9-11 happened, but the stories we heard about people who immediately enlisted um, or people who went back to New York or New Yorkers and went back immediately when that attack happened, and, and the name Pat Tillman comes to mind for me, and I don't know if you're familiar with his story, but I'm wondering if there was anything like that going through your head as you were flying back. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in, uh, first, spent the first part of my life in Canada, um, but I remember exactly, just like everybody else, the feeling on 9-11, even as a Canadian. And this was a direct attack on us. It was a surprise attack. Just like one day you woke up and the, the Twin Towers were, were done, we woke up and we had over... Right now, over 200 Israelis that are kidnapped, that are being tortured. We didn't expect this. There's a lot of chaos going on. And we are going to remember this for the rest of our lives. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, just you had a, a very full life that you were living here, uh, working in, in tech. Um, and I'm just curious how people around you, people that you worked with, uh, loved ones here, um, how they reacted when... You said, I'm going back, and obviously I would imagine you will be there indefinitely. Look, I, I didn't do this to become a hero. I didn't do it for the attention. I'm trying to get my, the word out as much as possible, but the community has been very, very supportive, whether it's donations, whether it's sharing. I, I, on my Instagram, I'm trying to document as much as possible to show people what's going on and what a soldier, you know, an IDF strong soldier actually feels, like you said earlier. Um, We've raised money. There are a lot of people raising money to to help the IDF. And the, the prayers and the wishes and everything of everyone being so supportive is great. And we need it. But we also have to do the other thing we want to do, 
and that is to ensure that we only leave Gaza in any other conflict territory and only when all the Hamas members are gone and are eliminated. On a personal note, um, I, I think you're incredibly heroic and um, I wish you Godspeed and safety and uh, thank you for the time. Thank you very much. Keep us in your prayers and uh, we'll see you back in the States. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, I know, I know I hear what he says and I, I believe him that he didn't do it to be a hero, but that's, he is. those are the people yeah. who generally are, are the heroes. Okay, uh, we are gonna take a break. All right, when we come back, a very popular part of LA is closed down for Taylor Swift. Her movie is about to have a big premiere at The Grove here in LA, and it has caused absolute chaos. The big question is, will Taylor herself be there for the premiere? We actually have an answer. We have an answer. Welcome back to TMZ Live. We are gonna lighten the mood here um, uh, considerably because Taylor Swift is causing chaos in LA once again. Uh, we saw it for almost a week when she was here with her concert. Well, the concert's back in a, in, on film. In a different setting, yeah. yes. So instead of SoFi Stadium, it is now going to be on every screen at the Grove. Uh, the, this, by the way, is the world premiere. This is, it's gonna roll out at the Grove, which is one of the most popular shopping centers, not just in LA, but really the country. The country yeah. um, Big and outdoor. it's fabulous, this place. Um, but it, they have an AMC theater there with 14 screens. 14 screens. And every single one of them will be playing uh, Taylor's The Eras Tour movie, and 2,200 um, of her fans were selected to come and uh, fill the theater on <laughs> all those cinemas. Selected by, Taylor, selected by Taylor's team. They're looking for you know people who really enjoy and made this a huge experience for them. And they've, they've all been invited. They have shut down the Grove today. The, the Grove's 20 years old. It's never happened before. They have shut down the entire Grove for security. Um, and there are hundreds of security people you who think, are, you who are the around the perimeter uh, of the Grove. Do you think the Swifties' reputation precedes them? For to, to shut, one, shut down the entire Grove, which has never happened, but to have this much security, LAPDs, LAPDs involved. Fire departments involved. Fire departments involved. But, but also, you guys, really, <laughs> if you guys remember, during her concerts that she had, there was thousands of fans that would show up, not even to go to the concert, just to stand outside and hear the concert going on. So they know they're prepared. Um, and like you guys said, they've already started setting up outside of the Grove, you know, waiting for any fan that doesn't have a ticket to show up and, you know, make sure that this whole place is secure. Unclear if Taylor's going to go, but you Oh, it's not unclear imagine. anymore because we got recon oh, on oh. this. Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift is planning on coming to the Grove tonight. Um, she will be at the theater to watch um, her fans enjoy this show with one caveat. And it has to do with, it has to do with the Swifties <laughs> and, and the crowd control, um, if there is control of the crowd, uh, because if there isn't, um, she's not going to go. She will pivot. But she, the plan is for her to show up at this. Again, this is the world premiere. I mean, th I'm sure every theater in the country wanted this. Every theater in the world wanted this. Yeah. Um, but um, it went to Rick Caruso, who owns The Grove, 
Um, and what they've done, that's actually great because they've shut it down all day today and they're going to pay all of the small businesses the profits they would have uh, lost by not, op by not being open today. But, I mean, this is a big deal. Um, and, you know, I, I got to say, this is going to be, this is... It's what, time, a, what time do they start letting people in there? It's they're they're, they're going to show up at 6, so the show starts at 7. Um, but there have been more than a hundred time a hundred million dollars in pre-sales that's just unbelievable you are, that's not enough time you can't have them show up at six well 2200 people they're going to just lie because you don't oh, want I'm them sure to linger because they're all just going to go nice and quietly and it's not going what they got plans they got a plan here you're not planning this thing they're planning this I, thing. i'm saying someone is underestimating the swifties from Jamaica, and outside of this being a major event for the Swifties, it's also a big news item in that people are literally wondering how many A-listers will show up. I mean, we did get you, Blake and Ryan, for the Chiefs versus Jets, Jets game, and with knowing how great the anticipation is for this event, Taylor just might outdo that outing. So let's just all stay tuned to TMZ for what's to come. Well, the one thing oh, that the, the one thing that's not to come, I believe, and I don't know this at all, there is no way Travis, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey showing up for this. This is her night. He can't, yeah, he, yeah, it would be too. It, it would get too jumbled. So I, I, tangled. I, yeah, he's not. He, I, I would be. <laughs> he won't be there. But she shocked. may have. She may have some some former squad members. She doesn't call it the squad anymore, right? I, I don't know, but um, she know. might. But this is Taylor's night. Yes, uh, big one. We're going to move on. Yes, to uh, <laughs> MC, to MC uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, MGK, dude. MGK. That's what I was trying to say. It was MGK, uh, who had a big night himself. Uh, he was at the Forbes 30 Under 30 event. Even, um, though, even though he's 33. <laughs> he's 33, which, which maybe <laughs> might explain what happened. Um, when, we've seen this uh, a few times now. Uh, I think most um, perilously was when it happened to Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Um, but he's on stage during having this discussion um, when a fan suddenly charges up on stage and it caught his attention immediately. That's the same thing with the 27 Club. That's like, um, my man, get hey, the away from me. I got you, man. I'm gonna help you. Yo, what, are you what are you doing? What are you doing? This is a bad look. Don't make me do this. Don't, don't make me do this. <laughs> He's got to feel a little humiliated that they picked him up they, like that. They did, <laughs> but there was some energy the guy was giving off why he right. Well, he obviously shouldn't have like, been on stage, and I mean, MGK ended up apologizing for his reaction, even though I think it's kind of understandable. Uh, but it's just kind of crazy. I mean, I know security is a hard job nowadays, but like this guy isn't even moving fast. Like, how did he? How did he end end up that close? It's got to be somehow he blended in backstage, like he belonged there or something, and then just slowly moves out. Yeah, but you know, know, Devin, that's actually a really good point. That you know, it's like in an event like this, it feels on the Look, level. Has, so, by the way, he had a uh, he had a, a pass on his around his neck. Oh, yeah, it looks like it, someone. Yeah, uh, but Charles, some security access. should check passes. No? Yeah, no, you're right. But you're I guess right. you know, uh, there's there's no safe haven anymore. I mean, you would think an event like this is innocuous enough that it's not going to happen. But I mean, Drew Barrymore's event was innocuous. Yeah, and you just don't know these days that, and it seems like it's become a thing that people are doing. Right, this. they want to try and get to, you know, get next to this celebrity any way they can, and if security lap is lapsed for just 
it takes a couple seconds and then someone's, next thing you know, they're on stage. MGK had no reason to apologize for this. Aaron from San Francisco, I got one thing to ask that kid, like, why you gotta be like this? It ain't like the movies. MGK is trying to fight Conor McGregor. In fact, like, MGK got so many skulls on his reins that he could have made the Mount Rushmore on your forehead. These <laughs> artists aren't the ones to mess with. Like, chill. Yeah, Just he's... the DMs. Yeah, it, he is not afraid to uh, throw down if he needs to. I, you know, we, thankfully, we haven't seen him in a huge fight. Um, I don't know what his actual skills are, but he shouldn't have to use them. No, but he, he, I think he did the right thing. He needed to show he, he meant business. Yeah. Alec Baldwin, not necessarily completely in the clear yet uh, from the shooting on the set of Rust. The involuntary manslaughter charges were dropped, but there is a involuntary manslaughter case still going forward with Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. The armorer. The armorer. And part of that investigation has the prosecutors looking at Alec Baldwin's potential role, possible role he may have had in safety on the set as in his role as executive producer. And there's some documents that they got yesterday that the judge approved prosecutors getting that could, you know, open up the possibility of new charges against Alec Baldwin. I, I think this is ridiculous. I, I, and I, I have felt this way for a long time. This prosecutor, there, there is something off with this prosecutor and with this whole investigation. Alec Baldwin was listed as an executive producer, but that's just a vanity thing. Um, he was probably getting profits and that's why he did it. He wasn't running the set day to day. And, you know, they wanted to go after him for involuntary manslaughter, and and, and well, now part, they're going after him for the safety issue. Part of the issue. safety is because Hannah Gutierrez-Reed has been saying no, that, I know. that there were corners that were cut there were. because of and th there budget. Were, there were corners that were cut. But again, they had other executive producers. They're going after him, I think, because he's a celebrity. Mm -hmm. I remember there was a time early on in this where all of a sudden the police invited cameras in for a meeting they were having on the investigation. Right. Who does that? Who does that? It's an interesting move from the prosecutors because they've been roundly criticized for their actions, right? They came out guns blazing, were forced to backpedal on a lot of what they Remember, hey, Jason, said. Jason, remember, they were using a law that wasn't even in effect to try and prosecute him and they had to drop it. That's right. So they end up dismissing the entire case against Alec Baldwin. And now, based on evidence, we don't quite know what's there, but it seems very thin. Just some documents they recently got. There's nothing in documents that is going to prove Alec Baldwin's specific culpability in this case. It just seems to, to your point, like prosecutors are just, they're embarrassed, clearly were embarrassed by what happened when they had to dismiss the charges initially. They're just trying to get another shot at it, I guess, to prove they're right all along. Well, or, or if you're just prosecuting Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, you're not gonna get as much media attention. If you prosecute Alec Baldwin, you're right. gonna get a lot of media attention. Hmm, I wonder if that's what's going on. Hi, hey Charles and Harvey, I'm Caitlin Fox. I'm from London. And I definitely think that this case makes a lot more sense than the involuntary manslaughter case that was brought up initially. However, um, I wonder if this is being done because it's along the lines of what Brandon's Lee mom did, even though she settled out of court, she brought up negligence charges. So I do wonder if there is a precedent set there because it is odd that he was one, Alec Baldwin is one of many executive producers um, who would have been responsible for safety and yet he's the one that's being named and investigated. And, and being named and investigated, and he wasn't the one running day to day on that set. Well, the, the issue is more about the budget and what they allowed for safety. 
do you think which, is, a, which you, I, I agree? Do you, you think Alec sitting there? Very petty way to go after. Well, no, him, but but maybe there is a legitimate issue there. Do you think Alec Baldwin is the one who is crunching was the numbers the and saying, "Oh, let's cut this safety issue and let's cut that uh, preventive measure"? No, no, of course he wasn't. It's ridiculous. So Jonas Brothers had a little surprise for their fans during their show in Nashville last night. You got a, a bonus, Jonas. <laughs> uh, I guess that's the way of putting it. Sure. Um, the, the, the three of them were on stage, and they brought the guy who made it all happen, really. It couldn't have happened without him. <laughs> and that would be dear old dad joined him on stage. Please welcome Kevin Jonas Sr. Yeah. Right? I, wow. I had no idea. That was awesome. I, also, I think a really cool thing, obviously, the, the family, they're going through a lot right now with the divorce, the custody battle that we obviously know was was just settled on. And I, I think it's cool that they're showing a united front and that dad showed some support and, there. And, and also, heck of a voice. dad showing off his pipes. I was shocked. And so also, I him a record deal. Playing to the Nashville Gosh. crowd. He does Desperado. I mean, come on. That's, that's great. Oh my God! Well, I, I do think. Look, it, they're they've settled the child custody issue temporarily between but Joe and Sophie. But there's gonna be. But it, there's a lot more to figure out in terms of long-term custody, and I do think you know, kind of showing the family unit, it signals something. Yeah. Um, that they're a tight family, and I think that does relate to child custody. So. I mean, I don't think they'll be able to play that video in court. They're not gonna play it in court. <laughs> But it sends a message yeah. to people. Hey, what's up? It's Brandon from Toronto. And honestly, I just got to say that was a really heartwarming moment to see. Kevin Sr. honestly got a really good voice. He could probably do his own tour. Really? <laughs> they really should have him stand to. by. Like, he can be the stand-in if any of them are ever sick or something. You know, it's, the show can go on. Just or that out. a stand-in for the Eagles. Oh, you want him to be the lead singer of the Eagles it's now? One, it's one of my favorite songs, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, what else do you guys want to talk about? Hey, I'm Amy from Texas. I heard Sherry Shepard decided to spill a little tea on Miss Barbara Walters getting caught hooking up with Richard Pryor back in the day. I mean, Barbara was hot. She could get it. I'm sure she had plenty of <laughs> options. I mean, if she, like, I'm sure she had plenty of options. And if it's true, it sounds like she had a lot of fun. That might be exactly what Richard Pryor said to her. Barbara, you're hot. You can get it. <laughs> Absolutely. And now I'm looking at that picture. I see it a whole different yes, way the photo now. of them standing there <laughs> sitting looking at each other. Oh, look at that. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay, one more. Hi, I'm Bezezu Taza Pelagi from Oklahoma City. Um, so for me, I feel like this um, weird thing for me looking at them past years, they all show signs like they were not living together. So it doesn't come like a shock for me. But I feel like they, they should just go live in there. They should just get a divorce, live a separate life. Everybody should be happy. Uh, maybe they wouldn't have been a slap. They wouldn't have ever been a slap. Yeah. You know, I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like um, Weir is not happy. I feel like Jada is happy with the whole thing. I don't, I don't think Weir is happy. So I think the whole thing for them keeping the keeping it a secret for seven years maybe it's just to maybe help oh, keep but it, it, but it wasn't just a secret it was the charade right it's not the secret it's the charade that was just 
crazy. It's hard to still process all yeah. of this. Here's your problem. Hmm. You have talked oh, for years. My problem. Uh, you, <laughs> one of many. You've talked for years about when you were a kid, you went to Camp Shasta in Northern California. And you well, that's were where Bigfoot, always looking for Bigfoot. We would hike. We would hike a last national. You were in the wrong place. Well, no, a Bigfoot man moved. Oh, oh, that's relocated. New right. job. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, some people believe he is now in Colorado. The people who are recording it are on a train, a very famous train ride from Durango to Silver, Silverton. Um, this is the San Juan National Forest, and they think they got Bigfoot on camera here. So explain this to me. You think this is a setup? Yes. You I think do. you think that somebody just like they, they, every other Bigfoot sighting. So they you you think that the people in the train yes. were in cahoots with whoever's on the yep. ground, exactly. and they were and the guy's going to stay there and yep. look like Bigfoot, and they're going to take the shot. Yeah. And then the train goes away, and this guy's like, "Oh, thank God, it's hot in this thing." The takes it off. The alternate theory is it took him like 60 years to get, to get from, from Shasta, Shasta to Colorado. Yes, <laughs> we'll go with that, we'll go with that. We'll, we'll see, see you tomorrow. <laughs>